Micah. Hey, what's up? Not much. How are you? Good. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I don't know. I had my I turned my Bluetooth off. Maybe that was messing it up for some reason. Maybe I was connected somewhere. Yeah. You can uh, hear me good? Yeah. Can you hear me good? Absolutely. Okay, cool. Yeah. So just to let you know and the audience, um, I had a friend who was help or doing it with me and he doesn't want to do it anymore. So it's just me. So I'm going to be interviewing people from like basically just like subreddits of Reddit. <clears throat> and um, so I'm interested in like poker music, but I'll, I'll be doing like stuff like any, anything on, you know, Reddit subreddits. Um, but for now we have Mike uh, Gill here. He's a professional or a, I guess a retired professional poker player. Right. You told, you said, yeah, I, uh, it, it was the second of my three careers I've had in my life. <laughs> okay. And what are the other careers you've had? So I started as a collegiate track and field coach and I left that to move to Vegas to play poker for a living back in the heyday uh, of uh, 2005, back when, uh, you know, Chris Moneymaker and full tilt poker and everybody and their brother thought they could play poker. Uh, and so I did that for a while and then I uh, changed careers, wanted to get back to the real world. And now I'm a uh, sales professional uh, selling track and field equipment. Okay, cool. How, how do you like doing what you're doing now or the other things compared to playing poker? professionally yeah you know everything's different right i mean um, the one thing that's the same is people are involved right so whether you're playing poker or you're a sales professional or a coach or whatever you might do in, in life you, you still got to be able to work with people and for people and uh be able to have uh you know build really build relationships whether they are you know kind of shallow on the poker table to very deep in your in your life so uh that aspect is very enjoyable uh to me and i, and I do that's the aspect I love about all three of my jobs that I've had careers that I've had is, uh, is the people and getting to know them and, you know, kind of what their motivations are, what their aspirations and passions are. That's, that's, that's my favorite thing in the world, to be honest with you, Micah. Yeah. So you're like a people person. A hundred percent. Okay, cool. Um, all right. So let's, let's just start obviously with the poker career. Um, like you said, you started back, how long were you doing it for? So I did it for a year before I realized I needed to get back to the real world. Okay. So it wasn't, it wasn't like a long experience. Uh, it felt like a lot longer than a year. Yes. <laughs> and how was that year in terms of um, financially, I guess, was it, was it, was it good financially? Yeah, it, it really was. You know um, when you're doing it for a living, at least back then, you know, Oh five and Oh six, uh, poker is a lot different than it is today in 2022. Um, it just, it's just different culturally uh, with the advent of internet poker back then and what, you know, that has changed to. Uh, and then living in Vegas is much different than, you know, playing professionally uh, in a bunch of the other places that you, you might be able to get it done, like California and stuff. Um, but I really enjoyed it. And uh, definitely, you know, financially, it was positive for me. Um, you know, I paid off my car paid my rent in Vegas, bought a bunch of toys, you know, Xboxes or whatever, stuff like that. Um, but overall, now that I'm, you know, I'm 40, almost 46 now, uh, now that I'm at this stage of the, my life, I look back and think, oh, it was a disaster financially. And, and what I mean by that is, you know, no insurance, no retirement plan. No, you know, I didn't put anything into retirement during that time. Uh, so in that aspect, financially, it was, it was terrible. Uh, but luckily I was young enough, you know, I was 30 years old that, you know, I had time to, um, make up for it but uh but as far as dollars and cents like what i walked into uh vegas with in my pocket versus out uh yeah it was it was it was well financially 
Yeah. And so were you, you were, but you, you said you moved to Vegas, right? So you were living in Vegas. Right. Yeah. I, I, I was, period. yeah, I was coaching in Mississippi uh, at Mississippi state university and I was playing cards up in um, uh, Tupelo and a uh, local game in Starkville and really all over uh, Mississippi and found myself that I was making more money playing cards and I was coaching track and field. Uh, and so I just decided, you know, I was young enough, wasn't married, no kids. Um, I just decided that I was good enough to at least go give it a try. And so I, I'd never even been to Vegas. Uh, so I packed up my car and drove from Mississippi to, to Las Vegas. That's pretty crazy, man. So, so where were you playing? What stakes were you playing? Um, were you also playing online on full tilt? Yeah. So uh, as far as stakes and what casinos, so uh, the first casino that really kind of took me in once I kind of, you know, showed that I wasn't a tourist coming in, that I was actually, you know, I was here to stay was actually the Wynn Casino. Uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar with that poker room. Uh, yeah. and it's, it's gorgeous. Uh, you know, at that time, I think it's over in uh, the Encore now, but where it was located when I was there, uh, the parking garage was right there. So it was a 20 second, 30 second walk from your car, uh, things like that. They were awesome. They gave me a um, safety deposit box in the poker room so I didn't have to carry my cash around. Uh, but that was my kind of my home casino. Um, that's where I played the majority of my hours. Plus they had eventually they had the my favorite game in the world, uh, which is a, a pot limit mix game. So I, I spent a lot of time there. Uh, in regards to online play, you know, I dabbled. I just... I, for, for poker, part of my skill set is learning the other people that are at the table, right? So I talk a lot and ask a lot of questions, uh, you know, what they do for a living, where are they from? Uh, I'm trying to figure out what that amount of money in front of them means to them, like how much it means to them. Uh, and, you know, I found out on Internet poker, people just don't talk back. <laughs> so, uh, so I really was not very good uh, online at all. Um, and, and really wish I wouldn't have played at all because I, I definitely was a loser online, but didn't play anywhere near the stakes that I played live uh, online. I, I was much, much bigger in live play. Yeah, it's the same with me. Like, I just, I've never done good on online and I, I want to, because it's like I, I still play online a good amount, but it's like micro stakes. But like, I, I never do as good online as I do live. And it's, people say that it's, you know, the players live are worse and all that, but I just can't seem to like figure out, figure it out. You know what I mean? Um, like you said, there is like the reading element and talking to people and stuff. There is that, although I don't believe, uh, I don't believe a big amount in like reading. I mean, I believe I, like I do believe in reading people obviously, but um, I think it's more about just playing GTO or whatever, you know? And um but yeah, for whatever reason, I've never done as good online as I do live. But the problem is, is I can't. I don't really have the time to go play live, mm -hmm. and it's so slow too. You know what I mean? Like I can play like four tables online as opposed to one slow table live. You know? Yeah, that that was actually my advantage because I agree with you 100. percent Yeah, I'd have two, three, four, five, whatever tables opened up, uh, and because of that kind of ADDness, right. Um, anything would distract me, you know, the TV would be on, I'd look at that. I'd flip through a magazine. Well, 
and, and live, I don't do, for some reason, I don't do that. Like I'm, I'm, I'm intently watching what's going on uh, with what people are doing and how they're doing it. And I would agree with you, Micah, about, you know, reading people, you know, uh, I think there certainly are, especially with weaker players, which are the majority of players, there are some pretty basic tells out there. Uh, but really it wasn't about, you know, reading someone, you know, soul staring at them and you know that kind of thing. It was yeah. more about, more about ranges. You know, if I could figure out, how much that money meant to them in front. Was that a lot of money for them? Was that not a lot of money for them? That helped me pare down their ranges as far as what cards they might be playing compared to the the board in my hand. Yeah, I definitely know what you mean. And I think you're right about it, but I don't normally invest too much in reading. Like you said, though, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that, like you said, sometimes with the amateurs or whatever, like they just make it obvious. Like they'll just miss their card and they'll be like, ah, oh, they'll sigh or whatever. And it's... They, mm-hmm. And a lot of them live just don't really seem to even, you know, they'll just show up and just want to gamble essentially. And they don't care, you know what I mean? Whether they're winning or losing. Yeah. You're, you're describing exactly what I was trying to figure out uh, was, you know, I'd play against college kids that would come in and they'd put a thousand dollars on the table and that's all they brought all weekend, you know? So if they lost that money, they were done. They were borrowing from friends, going to the ATM to their moms, whatever. Uh, so, you know, when they put money in the middle, uh, I could generally put their ranges a little bit tighter versus, you know, I played against millionaires that, you know, when we had, you know, I played on some pretty high stakes, we'd have 10 to 20,000 in front of us. And I knew that 10 to 20 was nothing to them. They had a hundred thousand to spend in Vegas that weekend. So their ranges might be a little bit higher and, and, you know, it was cool to bluff and still is kind of cool to bluff. Right. So they, they may be trying to, to do the cool play and I could catch them, you know, cause their range would be wide, uh, much more wide open than say that college kid example. Yeah. And, um, so you, during that period of time, you were playing ten and twenty thousand dollars in front of you. Yeah, near the probably the last uh, half of the year. Yeah, I oh, got up to. Man. Yeah, I I went playing just a normal one two. You know, at the win, we played one three, um, and moved up to two five pretty quick, five ten pretty quick, and then, um, you know, I played a couple ten twenty no limit. But again, my my favorite game was the mix pot limit. So uh, at the win, we had a twenty five fifty pot limit mix game uh, on the regular, and that's that's where we'd be sitting with some pretty decent cash. Oh man, I mean that's a that's a fast move up, man. I'm I'm surprised you didn't stay doing that. You know what I mean? Like if, because I mean if you're that good, I don't know. I mean I see what you're saying with the benefits and everything. Now you have like a good solid job, but it would be hard for me to if I was making that much money, it'd be hard for me to stop. So are you? That's what I was wondering. Is are you still playing a decent amount or not? Really? Yeah, not decent. I would say for sure. So uh, one of the things that I started when I first started playing poker back in my first year was probably 2001 is I collected a poker chip from every casino that I would play at. Um, and so now, uh, that's, that's the poker I play. So as I travel for business or for, for a vacation, if there's a poker room around that I haven't played in, I'll go and play a tournament or some cash, uh, and get my little chip for my collection. I've got them all framed up. I'm at 370 or something like that. Um, so that's kind of really, and, and then, you know, some buddy poker in the neighborhood, they'll, he'll throw a tournament or something like that. I don't play anywhere near i mean i used to play minimum was 12 hours in a row and i once played you know up to 60 hours at one point so um there's no way i'm playing anywhere close to what i was playing when i was doing it for a living yeah just recreationally and you're not playing yeah. all anymore take online no no not at all not at all yeah okay and um so what what places have you played at then what are some of the have, by any chance have you been to like um southern california and played there like morongo Casino yep. or Pachanga or anything like that? 
Yeah. Yeah. I had to uh, create like a blog post to keep track of the, the places I've been to. So I didn't double up <laughs> by accident. Um, but yeah, once you play 370, man, I've played almost everywhere at this point. There's only like, I think it's three, three states that have poker that I have not played in like Colorado, North Dakota and uh, Georgia, I think, but every, uh, in West Virginia, there's, there's a weird room in West Virginia. Um, but yeah, I played, uh, you know, a lot of them in California because there's a ton of them in California, obviously all the ones except for the newest ones in Vegas, uh, Atlantic City, Texas, Minnesota, you name it. I've played everywhere, 370 different places. So I've played everywhere. And what are some of the better places you've played? You know, the, the, my three favorite would be this little poker room in the middle of Mississippi in Philadelphia, Mississippi, called the Silver Star. Uh, that was just my that's where I cut my teeth and and uh, learned how to play No Limit Hold'em. I, I grew up uh, in a stage where No Limit Hold'em was not the be all end all like it is today. So I actually learned to play casino poker by playing seven card stud uh, and then played, uh, played that a lot. And then at, at uh, little silver stars, little small casino in Philadelphia, Mississippi learned how to play no limits. So I love that place. It was just the greatest people, the great, uh, just, it was awesome. Uh, and then when I started playing a little bit bigger was actually, um, Oh gosh, what was the name of it? It was in Tunica, uh, Mississippi. It's closed down now. Tunica used to have, seven, eight, nine, 10 poker rooms. I think they're down to like two now, but it was called the, um, something like the, uh, gosh, my memory now, it's so long ago, called the gold star, gold sun, something like that. They used to have a world poker tour, uh, stop and things like that. It was great. Lots of gambling. That's where I learned how to play Omaha. Um, and then the wind, the wind was great, man. Uh, just, just gorgeous. I, I love the wind. Um, but I've been to, you know, all the big ones, Bellagio, uh, Mohegan sun out in Connecticut. Uh, what's the big ones in California? Um, uh, not Hollywood, um, commerce and those guys, you know, the huge, huge poker rooms. Uh, I played in all of them and you know, they're decent. I've, I've played in the biggest rooms there are in this country down to, uh, the casino that has one poker table in the middle of their craps and blackjack tables. <laughs> yeah. So you played, um, you said commerce. What about like hustler casino or like uh, live with the, or the bike or, um, so I, I live near like Pachanga and Moranga. Mm -hmm. You know of those? Yep, got those. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, so have you played any um, like big tournaments like the World Series of Poker or the WPT or? Um... No, I was, when I lived out there, I was 99.9% .9 all cash uh, for the very fact that I'd like to be able to get up whenever I wanted to get up. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, I, I'd play marathon hours. I'd wake up at two o'clock in the afternoon, uh, be at the casino by five. And then, I mean, it was rare that I'd be home by five o'clock in the morning. I'd play 12 hours plus pretty much on the reg. Um, but a tournament to me was just like, yeah, I'd go to the wind to start. But if I wanted to get up and go to the Rio and play or get go over to Bellagio, you know, I could just get up and go. Um we're in a tournament, you're just stuck. So I, I did not play very many tournaments, definitely didn't play any of the big boys uh, at all. It just didn't interest me, even though that was the the lottery ticket. You know, if you win the WSOP main event or the World Poker Tour, you know, it's millions and plus. Um, that just didn't interest me, man. I was, I was better at just being a grinder, winning my money on a daily basis if I could um, and, and moving on. But now when I go uh, as I travel and play to get my, for my collection, if they have a tournament and it fits within my schedule, I, I do prefer tournaments now um, that, that more than so than I did back when I was, I was playing for a living. 
Yeah. Is that because the tournaments are easier now or why is that? No, it's different, right? Because, you know, tournament poker is different than cash game poker. Um, you know, it's much more of a, a sport uh, in the tournament side of it. So now I, I, I treat it more of like a like an event, like a game, like a sport. So I, I think my just where I am at today uh, in my poker journey, I, I think I'm just more in tune with tournaments than I am um, uh, cash games. Yeah. And um, yeah, tournaments now, especially online nowadays, are a lot easier. Mm-hmm. And I- to be playing tournaments but it's like like you said i just i can't handle the length <laughs> and the you know however long three to four hours and like an hour in i'll be like oh man like i'll see that there's like 100 players left and i'll just be like i don't know if i want to do this you know mm-hmm. um <clears throat> yeah so have you played with any like uh any pros or anything like that yeah i played with the for the few when i was out there um you know, some that might people might remember, uh, John Jawanda played with him. He was a full uh, full tilt poker guy back then. Yeah. Um, uh, another guy that if I could remember his name, everybody would know him. But the guy that uh, that I actually became really good friends with and still to this day uh, can talk to him on an annual basis at the minimum. Uh, he's a great guy. Uh, he won the 96 or 97 World Series main event. His name is Huck Seed. Have you ever heard of him? Yeah, I know him. Yeah. Yeah. So Huck, when I first moved to Vegas and was playing at the win, you know, Huck is like six foot seven. Uh, you know, everybody knows he was the World Series of Poker champ, which, you know, puts you in a whole new level. Well, he would be on the you know, I'd be in the in the low, low pit. You know, when I first got there, I was playing the one, three and two, five games. Uh, but I would see him up in the the tall on, on the upper level playing the big games. And, you know, whenever he'd, you know, go up and walk around, you're like, oh, you know, there's Huck C, that's Huck, you know, he's World Series champ. And I was like, man, I just, I just want to be there. I want to I want to be playing with him. And so one day I find myself playing, I think we were playing 510 or 1020. Uh, and he's sitting across from me and, you know, he's very intimidating because, again, he's six foot seven. So even when he sits down, he's super tall uh, and you just know he's the World Series champs so that, you know, gives some intimidation factor. And then he's like sneakily aggressive, at least back then, you know, he'd just be betting and calling. And then all of a sudden he'd make a hundred time bet. <laughs> It'd be just a huge bet. Um, and so this guy next to me uh, started talking, chatting me up. And as we were talking and he asked what I did and I uh, said, you know, I play cards for a living and he asked me what I used to do. And I said, I coach, you know, I used to coach track and field and Huck's face, his head, he lifts it up and he looks at me, he goes, you coach track and field. And I was like, yeah, I used to. And I almost craft myself. I was like, oh, my God, Huck Seed. He's talking. He don't talk to anybody. He's talking to me. And and he tells me that his brother ran track and that he likes track. And so uh, he gets up to go leave, you know, later on. And he hands me his phone and says, hey, put your put your cell phone in here. Let's let's hang out. And so ever since then, you know, he, he helped me let me sweat him some games and kind of watch his style and learn from him. And uh, he and I have just been friends and we've caught up at track meets and stuff ever since then he's just one of the the greatest guys was just recently inducted into the uh wsop hall of fame uh he's just an amazing human being who has won a huge huge poker tournament and still continues to crush it to this day oh wow that's really cool so you, you you're still friends with him to this day Oh yeah. Yeah. We, you know, with mutual, obviously poker, but also, you know, track and field. Uh, so we have mutual friends and, and outside of poker and stuff like that. Yeah. We we're still, I, I, I'd consider him a friend. Like I can just call him up at any moment and we would know each other and talk and catch up. Oh, wow. That's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So, so what's he doing now in terms of poker? Like I never see those older, some of those older people um, from that period playing and I, and I liked watching them. So do you know what he's, is he still playing? 
Yeah, when we had dinner, it was right before COVID, so I bet it was 2019 around Thanksgiving. Uh, we had dinner together, and I was at you know catching up. How's he doing? You know, um, the the different parts of the financial landscape has has hurt and not hurt poker, right? So, um, you know, around, I can't remember the time period, but around let's call it 13, 14, 15, you know, uh, the uh, real estate bubble and stuff like that. That that actually hurt uh, poker a lot because there was less discriminatory discriminatory money discretionary money uh to be there to play cards you know you, you make money by playing people who don't know how to play right who, who aren't pros and so um so you know he struggled tr- struggled trying to find games that are you know worth it that are big enough that aren't full with all the other pros and stuff like that but he's still to this day this is what he does he gambles for a living he, he's a he's a poker player yeah do you know what like why he's not playing on tv more like i just, like i just don't see a lot of those guys and i wish i did you know yeah, you know, good question that maybe I don't know. And the reason I say that is I don't know what's on TV anymore. You know, when when I was doing this in the 05 era, uh, you know, you, you couldn't turn on TV without poker being on. Poker after dark, uh, high stakes poker, which is still the all time best poker ever on TV, in my opinion. Uh, reruns of the World Series. You know, they had just invented that lipstick camera, uh, which really helped with the, the poker boom back then in 04, 05. Um, along with internet poker and then also Chris Moneymaker winning, uh, that those kind of three things really just lit the fire for poker back then. Um, so, you know, poker was on all the time, all the WPTs, et cetera. So I don't know that he's not playing them all the time because I don't watch it all the time. I don't have, I don't do cable anymore. I do like Hulu and stuff. Um, but I, I just don't have any interest in watching poker like that. Uh, like I used to, I, I would love there to be a high stakes poker like there used to be and i know there is something on that like poker go i think it's called um but with poker go being such a closed um uh, property you know that everything's on there and you got to be subscribed uh i I think that's hurt poker's popularity and so i I have no idea i I, i'd have to imagine he is still playing those um i just don't see that he makes final tables or whatnot but he's uh he's still making his living his his uh uh, income tax still says career professional poker player (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like you said, I'm, I'm the same way. Like I, I don't really, I don't watch cable anymore. Everything's, you know, streaming now. So I don't like randomly see it on cable. I, I mostly watch it on YouTube, I guess. Like clips from, like you said, poker go. Right. Uh-huh. And for whatever reason, like, so high stakes poker during that period, which you remember the, the show, I'm sure you remember, um, was like the best show, the best and all those, the format they have and all the players they don't really have back. And I just don't know why. And like, they had a new, they had a new two new seasons the last two years, but it's like kind of a different style and like different players for the most part. I think some of the same players are there like Daniel Negrano and mm-hmm. Phil, but they don't have like, you know, Sammy Farha. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen the Unabomber in a while. Um, mm-hmm. Remember him? What's his name? Yeah, Phil Lack. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like exactly. Phil Lack, all those like kind of like, funny or even antonio spendari mm-hmm. every once in a while i see them but I, I just don't know why they just don't go back to the the same format as they did maybe those people just don't want to do it anymore maybe you know maybe they're like you know i just want to do my own thing or something i don't know yeah i, I know I, I don't want to be the old man i'm only 45 but in poker years that that is old um so i don't want to be the old man and say you know back in my day but back in my day in that 05 06 you know, uh, seven range, uh, you, you name some amazing 
not just players and obviously people, but really what you're talking about is characters, right? So like you can think of Phil Ivey, you know, his character, he was the big money spender, greatest poker player in the world, you know, intimidating, quiet, would stare you down. He had a uh, Texas Dolly, Dolly Brunson, Do uh, Brun Doyle Brunson, the old man, still awesome. Been doing this since he was born, the Texan. Um, you had guys like uh, Barry um, uh, uh, Gold Goldstein, Goldberg. Uh, the you know ace on the river author uh you know analytical came from the chess background uh you mentioned farha the crazy gambler you know with the cigarette in his mouth uh he just we had such amazing characters um tom dwan was just coming onto the scene so here's the young internet uh crazy four bet light guy you know uh and now i don't know who do you, who do you have <laughs> dur tom dwan is old like he, he doesn't look like the one i see him on uh, some of the streams i'll watch uh he doesn't seem the same phil ivy doesn't see, uh seem the same either but i also know they know they're being filmed and that's a different game than when they're playing the big games in macau and uh bobby's room and stuff like that so i also don't know how much is it just to you know they're just there to make their paycheck and move on to go back to the big game so yeah and yeah, Tom Dwan is still playing in the high stakes poker and other stuff too that I see him on. And he's mm -hmm. definitely, like you said, I don't know, he almost seems like depressed or something, but I still like watching him. He's, he's, he's definitely good um, and fun to watch. But now it seems like it's also moved to like, um, you know, Live at the Bike, like I brought up before, Live at the Bike and Hustler Casino Live. Like, do you watch those at all? Yeah, sometimes I, I like watching. I'm gonna call him the new guy, but I know he's been around. Uh, Garrett um, Adelstein, I think. Yeah. Is his name. Um, he, yeah. He's, uh, you know, he's awesome. I, I like him because of his attitude. You know, obviously he's a an amazing poker player, but you know, he just seems like uh, he seems like the kind of guy you'd go have a, a beer with. <laughs> you know, uh, he just seems like a really decent human that happens to be really excelling at, at, uh, at poker. So, uh, I like him, but, and I, and I recognize some of the other guys' faces and gals faces, but I don't know them by name, but none of them like strike out at me. Like, I don't like, Oh man, I love watching that guy or that girl. Uh, it's, it's pretty much Garrett. And then, you know, the, the old guys from, from my time, Phil and, uh, Dwan and the, and such. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think that Garrett definitely is good for the game. I think he's probably bringing in more, maybe you could say like, I don't know, like people like him or people who like him, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, another big figure now that's good for the game and controversial is Doug Pohl. You, you know, yeah, I know by name and obviously I've seen some things. Um, you, you know, what's interesting is so he's big with his uh, poker vlog and, and blog and stuff, right? Yeah. And he, also, he has a training yeah, Sorry. training. So what's interesting, yeah. so back in 05, you know, we didn't have YouTube and, and all that kind of stuff and video and stuff like that. But when I quit my coaching job, you know, I was in the SEC, which is the best track and field conference in the nation. Uh, I was coaching Olympians. I mean, I was where a lot of people wish they could be uh, in the coaching profession. And I quit to go play poker, uh, which was a huge deal. You know, poker was a big thing. Like I said, it was on TV 24 uh, seven, Chris Moneymaker, all this kind of good stuff, internet poker. So uh, I actually, you know, I don't want to, overstate it Mike and say that I started all of these blogs and vlogs and whatever but I, I started a blog um, to kind of chronicle my move from Mississippi to Vegas and then playing in Vegas uh, that became really popular like 
thousands and thousands of readers on a daily basis. Uh, in fact, uh, one one guy called me the most famous non-famous poker player in the world. And uh, uh, so I kind of, like I said, I, I don't want to overstate it, but, I'm a, but I am going to overstate it. I kind of uh, started that, you know, blog, vlog type of uh, thing for poker player, which are now huge, right? Because now you have YouTube channels and uh, people that, you know, they'll play and they'll film themselves while they're playing and stuff like that. So uh, I'm going to say that I was one of the early pioneers of, of that uh, chronically in your, your poker uh, journey. Wow, that's pretty cool, man. Would I be able to go look that up? Is it still no, online? Not at all. I private. I turned it to private. Okay. Was it all a, um, it was like a website format or? Like yeah, it was, it was the old, um, I don't remember a blogspot.com or something like that. Um, I probably just gave everything away right there, but yeah, it was just a, it was a blog. So on a daily basis, I would, uh, I would do it at different times. Sometimes I'd come back from the casino at six in the morning and, you know, right. I didn't do a lot of like hand history stuff like, Oh, this is an interesting hand unless there was like a really cool, interesting hand, but mostly it was about like, Hey man, you, you, you've thought about going pro. Well, I'm going to tell you the real world, what it's really like. So I would talk about, you know, winning thousands of dollars, losing thousands of dollars, uh, meeting Huck seed, um, you know, trying this one tournament and that I realized I don't like tournaments. So I went back to cash and, uh, I, I really chronicled the ups and downs, uh, on, a, on a, on an almost daily basis. Yeah. And that's one other thing that I, I am really interested in is the ups and downs and the swings and stuff like that. And like, you were only doing it for a year and you sound like a smart guy and you were probably mostly, it sounds like you were probably mostly going up, but in terms of just like the, the stress and the, the swings, how did you handle that? Yeah. Uh, anybody that tells you that you're mostly going up is probably lying to you, to be real frank. I mean, uh, it's no different than the person that tells you, you, you go to enough casinos the you got the, the, people and friends or the, uh, my aunt or my grandma who never loses at uh, slot machines or never loses at blackjack and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And you know, that's just a farce. Uh, it's the same thing a poker, man. You know, I, I would venture that every poker pro has gone bust, uh, at some point in their life. You know, it's, 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 I don't want to say it's a, an, an inevitability if you're going to be a poker player, but boy, the odds are against you that you're not going to be, um, you know, on the felt here uh, at some point in your life. And, and I did everything wrong, Micah. And what I mean by that is I played 24 seven, no days off. Uh, I let my health go. I didn't go to the gym and work out. Um, I thought it'd be the coolest thing in the world to wake up at two o'clock every afternoon and play all night. Uh, well, that gets old fast. You know, you never see the sun basically. <laughs> um, and, it, and as far as the stress, man, you, you nailed it. it. It is one thing when you're playing at a casino on the weekend or you're playing at a home game or a local game, you're playing with buddies and things like that. That is a completely different game than when your lunch money is on the table every day. When you lose a, a pot or lose a buy-in and you realize, crap, I got to make rent this month. Or, man, I got to make my car payment or uh, what, what my credit card payment, whatever it is. That stress, uh, th that's not good. And, th and that's what ultimately took me out of it. I was like, you know, this, this is just not worth it. And I also, on top of that, I could not see a family happening around this. You know, I had desires to, to have a wife and children. And I just couldn't see, like, I, I, God bless the guys and gals that do it for a living uh, how, and they have families. I just don't know how how in the world you could do that. But, um, but the stress of it, man, I, I still remember the first time I threw $10,000 into the pot. Uh, and, and you have to, 
when you play for a living, it's, it, it doesn't, it's not dollars anymore. It's just a point system, right? So you buy in for a thousand points and hopefully you leave with more than a thousand points and then you turn it into cash and go buy stuff or whatever. Um, but I remember the first time I threw $10,000 two two $5,000 chips into the pot. And I was like, man, I could technically buy a car with that. Like that's how much money that is. And I had to snap myself out of it. Like, Oh, oh it, that's not money. That's not car. That's not <laughs> whatever. Uh, that's just points that hopefully are about to come back with some friends and, and make more points. Yeah. Do you have any like wild, crazy stories or did you ever get like pretty down? Like where you were just like, you know, pretty bummed out or. Oh yeah. Yeah. So the month of December, uh, I thought I was a genius, Micah. <laughs> I thought I was going to be a millionaire. December was, uh, I distinctly remember it was just an amazing, amazing month. Uh, and then the month of January I made zero. <laughs> uh, so that sucked. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> you go from being a genius to a, you know, like what in the world did I do? Why am I out here, man? It sucks. Um, so, um, so some crazy stories I, I got, you know, of course there's some, I don't know. I don't know if I really remember all crazy stories for myself. I mean, I'm sure I did some stupid things and did some amazing things, but uh, I, I will tell you if, if you're, if you're open to it, I will tell you what I thought was a, a pretty interesting and funny story uh, at a five ten no limit game. Yeah. Uh, okay. So we're playing five ten uh, no limit, right? So we have anywhere between a thousand and 15,000 on the table, uh, all of the other nine players. I think we're playing nine handed. <laughs> And uh, this kid, he's, I say kid, you know, gosh, I was 30. So he was probably 23. He was a young, young kid. Uh, he's two to my right. And uh, he gets down to $30. Like he's just losing, right? And gets down to $30. $30. And we're playing 510, right? Yeah. And I'm not kidding. If I wouldn't have been there, I would never believe this story, Micah. So he gets down to $30 and goes on a rush like I have never seen in my life. And within an hour to an hour and a half, he's got like 5,000 in front of him. No, no joke. Like, it was amazing. Like I, like, I can't even fathom how he did it. I just know that he just went on this rush, right? Yeah. Well, this guy to my right, and so so that college kid, that meant a lot of money to him, right? I, I say college. This young kid, that, that money meant a lot to him. The guy to my right, so the guy in between us, was a uh, rich, I don't know what he did. I think he owned some uh, farmland in Texas, uh, but was really well off and drunk. And he starts like getting upset with the kid because the kid can't lose. And so uh, I'm in the big blind, rich guys in the small blind uh, and college kid is uh, one off of the button. Uh, one, yeah, one off the button. So there was two people between us. Uh, so the, the, the cowboy, the, the rich guy says, man, I don't care what i have if you get in the pot i'm going all in without looking now i'm sitting next to the guy <laughs> so the cards come out i'm in the big blind he's in the small blind it gets around to the college kid the college kid makes it 50 bucks or something like that goes to the small blind he did not look i'm sitting right next to him and, and i to this day would i, I take a oath on the bible he did not look at his cards and he goes all in now he's got like 10 grand to the young guys five grand Oh, man. So, so I, I fold. Remember, the kid made it 50. He pops it to, you know, basically five grand, right? So it folds over to the kid. So the kid, he's just him and hawing. And it's kind of odd because, uh, you know, you probably know poker well enough. You know, if you've got $50 in the pot and it's everything to you, it's a pretty easy decision. You've got one of three hands uh, that's an automatic yes. And the rest are just, you know, wait for a better uh, time, right? 
So yeah, he's... well, I mean, what do you call with that aces, kings, ace, king? I mean, maybe even better, but he hasn't looked at his hand. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, but... and, and 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 you don't know if he hasn't really looked at his hand, right? You, you as the as the better, as the kid. I I know he hasn't looked. Now I haven't said anything. I'm not. It's not my position to to tell that kid, hey, he didn't actually look. I don't influence action at all. I don't like when people who are not in the hands uh, influence any action at all. So I I didn't say Jack. I'm just sitting there watching. Yeah. So at that level. So you're you're used to most people who play poker are used to that the casino makes money by taking a rake out of the pot, right? So each uh, depending on the level of how much the pot, they take a dollar up to five or six dollars, depending on where you uh, where you're at. California, I think they take upwards of ten dollars. Sometimes it feels like it's a huge rake state, uh, but at this level, they do what's called time. You pay a certain amount to the dealer every time a new dealer comes in, which is every thirty minutes, right? So we paid $7 per half hour. Nothing was ever taken out of the pot. So what that means is, is we're trying to get as many hands every 30 minutes, every down, because we've already paid. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Where was this at, by the way? Th this was at the win. Oh, that's how they do it? That's how they were doing it at the win? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we were time rake. Yeah. Oh, I know. Uh, okay. So, yeah, 5, 10 and up, it was just time rake. No, no rake pots. So this kid... You know, I'm going to say he was taking three to four to five minutes. It probably was really two to three, but, you know, in poker time, that's a long time. Yeah. And so, you know, a couple, a couple of people started grumbling like, hey, man, you need to make a decision. We, we already paid for this time. Let's go. And so uh, the, the kid looks at the dealer and says, am I allowed to flip my hands over, you know, my, my cards? Oh, man. And, it's, and it's a cash game. So he can, right? You can't do that in a tournament, but in a cash game, you can. Yeah. So he, he flips them over. Guess what he's got? Aces or kings? He's got aces, baby. <laughs> now, this I, is... feel, I feel his pain. Don't get me wrong. No, 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 Michael. There's no pain here at all. You, you don't act like him. Come on. You're better than that. So he flips the two aces over. Now, this is back when I used to cuss. I don't cuss anymore. But I look at him and I go, what the f are you waiting for? Yeah. I was like, you've got the hand. I don't care if the guy looked or not. You've got the hand, right? Yeah. And he, and he looks at me and he goes, this is a lot of money for me. And I go, oh, I get it, man. Like, no, no I'm with you on that. Then you need to rack up and get out. Yeah. Like, you can't play if, you know. So eventually he calls. Guess what uh, uh, No Look Rich Cowboy had? Two seven or seven. Nine. No, brother. No. And again, if I wasn't there, I would never believe this. You have all right to not believe this story. He flips over two kings. Oh, my gosh. He flipped him over one at a time because he was like, I ain't look. He flips over one king. And I was like, oh, OK, whatever. It really doesn't matter. Dude's got aces. And then flips another one. I was like, what the? <laughs> it's like, what, is, what bizarre world am I in? Uh, now, because the poker gods were correct that night, the aces won. So the kid uh, doubles up to 10K. Remember, two hours, two and a half hours earlier, the dude was at 30 bucks. Uh, he's got 10 grand. He racks up and, and walks off. <laughs> and... Uh, that's a wild story but it would be even wilder if the kings won you know what i mean it's all yeah but i'm glad they didn't i mean the kid did wrong in my opinion i mean you you have exactly what you want i don't again i don't care if the guy looks at the, his hands or not but he says he's not looking and you got you have aces what what what, what else are you looking for this ain't post-flop you, you know you don't have to evaluate anything you have the best hand there is at that point put it in put it in or literally fold it and walk off you know take your money if that is so much money to you th that's cool i can respect that then then immediately get off the table don't spend five minutes and don't flip the cards over what, what what read were you trying to get by flipping over two aces yeah i guess he was just trying to show the table like 
I, I don't know what he was thinking. I think he was just super, super nervous. <laughs> oh yeah. And was this back in this was back in 05? Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, I mean the when I said I, I get it, it's because it's like, yeah, I mean, I would definitely call with aces. Obviously, you have to, you have you know you have the best hand. But at the same time, that if that bad beat comes, it's it's a it's brutal, man. Like, you know what I mean? Like Yeah, but but what's the decision, Micah? But what I mean what I mean by that is it's not you have twenty thousand uh, in front of you, and you have to call a five thousand dollar bet, which means you have to pay play uh, post flop. You're pay, you're playing pre flop here, so there are no more decisions to make. Your job as a poker player is to put the money in when you have the best hand. You have the best hand, so you need to put the money in, and whatever happens happens, and, and know that things happen bad. Some bad, that's why they call it a bad beat. But your job is to put the money in when you are at the best, and he was at the best because it was pre flop. So there is no decision to make. No, I know. I agree. And I would ultimately call, but there probably is an amount of money that even you might no. think about it. You know no, mean? no, because I'd be off the table. That's true. But I'm just saying, let's just say you're in over your head and you, you have a million in front of you. You start I'm off the table. What? I get off the table. If it's too much money for me, if I've if I've run, if I sat down with a thousand in that game and I ran it up to 30,000 and I'm like, dude, if I lost this, like I would. I'd be devastated. Like this, this pays for my bills for the next six months or whatnot. Uh, like, oh, you know what? Then bank the win. That's why I play cash and not tournament. Rack it up. Hey, man, I'll see y'all tomorrow. Yeah, I know what you mean. But sometimes I think that you get, you know, you get excited and you're running hot like he was, and you're just like, you know what? I'm gonna keep going with this. But anyways, there's no point. You're right. Like you, you ultimately have to call. I think there is an amount of money that I would definitely think about it. Um, and, and, you, I'm, and I'm, I'm, I'm cool with him folding. What? But not, I'm cool with him folding, just not after five minutes. That, that's the part. It's like, what are you thinking? What, 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 what are you trying to analyze? Yeah, there's nothing to analyze. I think he's what he's trying to analyze is how badly will I be affected if I lose this? You know what I mean? Like, do I not have rent money or, you know, any, right. do I have any money for the next six months? If I, I mean, I don't know his situation, but you're, you're ultimately right. Like, I'm not going to argue with you that you're wrong. All I'm saying is, is that it, I have been in those situations, like for instance. So, I'll go and play. I've gone and played stakes that are a little bit higher than I'm totally comfortable with, you know. Mm-hmm. And I'll be running good or whatever, and I'll be up a certain amount of money. And for me, it's not even that much, to be honest with you. Like it's kind of sad to say, but if I have like a thousand in front of me, I'm going to be somewhat cautious. And I've been in situations where I've have not folded the nuts i haven't folded the best hand but i will be like overly cautious like i've had queens before i was in a hand i remember still where i had so i think i I was playing this was a while ago but i was playing two three at pachin or at morongo mm-hmm. and or one three whatever it is and um i started off with 300 or whatever ran it up to a thousand and then there was a really aggressive guy at the table who would three bet a lot and there was a guy in between and I had queens, if I remember correctly. And I I raised the um, the guy who three bets a lot, three bet me. Oh, no, there was a guy in the middle of us. So I raised the guy called. The guy three bet me. I'm pretty sure at that point I called, which I know this is all wrong. But once again, I'm playing cautious here. And the guy in between, like, re-popped it really big. So I this was a while ago. But if it went from, like, 15 to 45, and then he re-popped it to, like, 100. And it was one of those situations where I was like, I, I'm pretty sure I'm good here with queens, but I don't really even want to be up against ace-king. So I, like, took a while. 
and I folded and I shouldn't have, like I'll admit that I shouldn't have. But my point is, is that um, I think that I was a little bit out of my league at the time or whatever. You know what I mean? I just didn't want to get it all in with Queens. Obviously with aces, I would have. I don't have anything wrong with what you did there, Micah, honestly, because it sounds if I if I heard it right, it was a little jumbled a little bit there. Uh, it sounds like you were getting squeezed. Uh, so I had no problems with that. If you're not folding the best hand every once in a while, you, you, you're playing too loose. So I don't think you did anything wrong there, to be real frank with you. I think it's a different situation when you have aces and one player <laughs> that that I'm talking about specifically that situation with, with this kid uh, not ever not folding aces, which again, I just don't know that I would ever fold aces pre-flop maybe yeah, in tournament different, but in cash game, I just don't know that I'm ever doing it. But, um, but I think what you just described there, I don't, I don't see anything wrong with that. I'm a pretty tight player. So I, I don't know that uh, I'm either shipping it or folding it at that point. Well, the reason why I think it was wrong was because there was something off about the guy who just called and then re-popped it. I think he ended up – I think the guy who three-bet me supposed – no, neither of them showed. But the guy who three-bet it, I think, said he had ace-king, and the other, and he ended up folding his ace-king, I guess, which is even weird. But then the guy who squeezed basically had said he had 10. So I was like, you know what, I probably should have at least called, seen the flop. But it, it wasn't that big of a deal. It was just my point was is that – um. I think I probably would have played it differently if I if I was playing, you know, with a hundred dollars in front of me than a thousand. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, sure, 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 absolutely. But, Again, it's, it's a different situation. Yeah, we're. I totally get your point. If you have the if you have the best hand, you have the call. Otherwise, you have to leave. Yeah. Right. Yep. That's that's where I'm at exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> um. So yeah, are, do you still like do you still study at all? Um, the game like in terms of trying to get better, learn more, or are you just completely kind of like recreational at this point man i'm like the uh the new I'm, I'm back to being a newborn man like trying to learn how to walk no i don't i don't do any studying man i, I used to be you know there's kind of four levels to, to play in poker uh, and i used to get to the fourth level uh not often because it's 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 pretty rare but i used to get there uh i'm admittedly probably a first level to maybe a second level uh, poker player, uh, but not enough. I, I'm, a, I'm a first level guy. I'm, I'm worried about what, what my cards are. And, and that's, that's the majority of it, to be honest with you, which is sad. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, like you said, better, probably better off. You have, you have like a family now, right? Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 I just don't have time. You know, it's, that's the, you know, they say you never forget how to ride a bike. Well, that's, true and not true if you don't ride a bike for a long time you might be able to still ride a bike but you ain't gonna ride it as good as you used to uh so i still know how to play poker but i certainly don't play as much as i or uh don't play it as good as i used to because i don't play it anywhere near and i don't study like i used to and uh let it consume my life like it used to yeah so um yeah is there anything else you wanted to uh talk about yeah, you know, uh, I, I have another great story I think that you might enjoy. Uh, and then I'd love to, you know, end on my poker uh, chip collection because I think it's something most pe more people should do uh, that people that enjoy poker uh, would, would get a get enjoyment out of if they started collecting a chip everywhere. Uh, but do you, do you remember back then uh, there was a book written about this series of events called um, The Banker, um, The Banker something in the suicide king do, do you remember that book you remember I, that remember that wasn't it involving andy block or something uh, boy you're good andy beal uh, andy. now I, and maybe andy block was involved as well but andy 
Because Andy Block was a professional poker player, right? Right. So Bl- yeah. Block might have been in, in, uh, involved in the syndicate, uh, but Andy Beal was the uh, the whale, right? So Andy Beal owns Beal Banks, which is uh, a big bank down in Texas, at least used to be. This guy's so rich. He uh, and this was back before Elon Musk and uh, Bezos and all these guys. He sent a rocket. He tried to send a rocket into space. I don't know what it is with rich guys and rockets, but it's been going on forever. Uh, so Beal tried to send a rocket into space and it failed. Um, and he was still financially good. <laughs> so that's how rich Andy Beal was, right? So he wanted to play against the best poker players in the world. And so he started studying and learning and all this good stuff. So he started playing uh, the professional. So um, uh, what was Doyle saying? Uh, Doyle Brunson's uh, kid's name, Todd. Todd Brunson, Doyle, uh, J- Jennifer Harmon. Uh, maybe Phil Ivy was involved. Um, a couple other guys, uh, the professor, what was his name? He was a professional. Um, well, he wanted to play those guys, right? But he's a smart dude. He knew he had to take away some advantages, right? So he wasn't going to play no limit. He was only going to play limit. He was not going to play uh, in a ring game of six, seven, eight different players because there's five, six, seven, eight competitors, right? He was only going to play heads up. And he was going to make the stakes so high that it meant something like it, it had to shake the, even the pros, even the biggest of pros, these guys that were making, you know, they were winning million dollar tournaments and making a lot of money uh, from full tilt and poker stars uh, uh, promotions, et cetera. Right. So he went back and forth playing these guys. Uh, I think they started out at 30,000, 60,000 heads up limit poker. And by the time I was there, I want to say they were hundred thousand, 200,000 blinds, I think is what they were playing. And uh, it was so it was so big that all those guys, Brunson and Jenna Harmon, uh, they had to pool their money together. That, that's how you know, no one person wanted to go uh, against him because it, it could ruin. It could make him go to zero. <laughs> right. So one night, uh, I should say one morning, I played all night. It's eight, nine, 10 o'clock in the morning. Uh, I'm playing the twenty five fifty uh, mix game, uh, pot limit mix game. And the win, uh, they 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 uh, rope off a table over in the corner. Now in Vegas, there's no private games. You're not allowed to have a private game uh, in the casino. Every game has to be open. So I knew it wasn't a private game, but I still didn't know what was going on. And then I see these security guards bring uh, the chips to the table and they were a chip that I've never seen before. They were cranberry color. They were kind of that purplish type of color. Well, I come to find out those were $25,000 chips. So there was a reason why I'd never seen those. (laughs) So I'm playing my game completely distracted as this guy walks in. I had no clue who he was. Come to find out that was Andy Beal. But then you see Todd Brunson come in and Jennifer Harmon. It's like, what in the world is going in? I got to watch them play $100,000, $200,000 heads up. Uh, poker limit poker and it was it was amazing because you would see every pot it was like man that's someone's house like you you could buy a house for that pot and they played for i don't know hour and a half two hours or whatever it was that day uh but it was quite amazing to see you know one of the largest poker games ever still i I know there's been maybe some bigger but as far as limit poker that has to be one of the largest limit poker games that have ever been played in this world yeah wow i i had heard of that story but i didn't know exactly the details and for i think i got andy Beal mixed up with andy block or maybe andy block was involved i don't know yeah i would say block might have been part of the syndicate for sure yeah he might have been pulling his money with those guys yeah but he's like supposedly a real smart guy like went to mit i think yeah mit guy started one of the um blackjack um uh syndicates for lack of a better term yeah 
Yeah. He started a what? A blackjack syndicate? Yeah. So those groups of uh, card counters and stuff. He was one of the guys that started, oh. started one of them back in the day. Speaking of that, I was going to ask you, do you play and do you gamble anything else besides poker, like blackjack or anything? Never. No, I, I w- that's why when people, when I tell people or they see my chip collection, uh, they say, oh, you're a professional gambler. I was like, no, I didn't gamble. I played cards. <laughs> uh, that's different. Uh, gambling is roulette and craps and blackjack. Uh, the only time that i would ever do anything remotely like that uh there used to be it's closed down now but on the south strip in vegas this little hole in the wall casino that had 10 cent roulette it was the most amazing thing michael you'd give them 20 bucks and you just get this mound of chips right uh so it didn't matter what happened good or bad and usually bad right because the house wins Uh, but it was a way to just kind of relief stress drink a few beers uh and not have to worry about money like like i did on a constant basis playing poker um but other than that man no way you were never going to catch me in the pit i was never playing blackjack all those other silly games um no way no how that's how i got into poker was those games they 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 have rules and in poker i'm playing against a player and i can make you fold the best hand i'm much more good with that yeah i agree and um I stupid like when I first started playing poker, I was only playing poker and I kind of almost like scoffed at blackjack or anything else. But then I, I think I started playing a little bit of blackjack. Like at one point I was like, I'll just put in five dollar bets and see what happens. And earlier on I, I think I had like started with twenty, was putting in five dollar bets, went up to like two or three hundred dollars. And so then I was like, Oh, maybe I should just keep trying this and I played more blackjack but ended up ended up stopping this. <laughs> it's definitely a uh money suck you know what i mean it's just um like you said you can't win but also people don't really seem to get the idea that poker is different than Mm -hmm. and a while ago like 20 years ago basically around the time that you were playing professionally i wanted to play professionally at that time and i told you know my family and girlfriend and everything and they were obviously weren't for it they're like no 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 you don't want to and part of me wishes I, I wouldn't even say part of me wishes I did, but it's like I, I still can if I want to or whatever, you know, but part of me wishes I did. But then also part of me is like, no, I don't think I don't think I could have handled the the swings anyways. You know what I mean? And um, I, I'm too emotional of a person. I think that after a losing session, I would just get too, especially with high, a lot of money, I would just get too down on myself, you know? Yeah, I, I'm super glad I did it. I am equally super glad that i don't do it now yeah like i said I, i'm surprised you didn't do it for longer because i don't know how much money you were making but if you were making a good amount of money for me i think it would be hard to quit but yeah you, you don't know until you do it man the lifestyle of you know two in the clock and two o'clock in the morning every night and again remember i told you i did everything wrong man so um you know gained a lot of weight etc things like that uh it, it's not a it's not a great conducive lifestyle to to life man um yeah his cards are great but when you're playing cards 24 7 and it's a job it it, it just simply wasn't fun honestly it just, just wasn't fun and so um so yeah it was time to get back to the real world i, I realized uh no matter um how small or how big uh my paycheck is i do like getting a guaranteed paycheck every two weeks that's kind of nice <laughs> and i have insurance and a 401k <laughs> that's a big deal for the future yeah yeah and so now you're living in Illinois with a family, right? That's correct. Yeah. And I actually have family from Illinois, from uh, my mom from there, from like the Naperville. Oh, yeah. Area. Beautiful. Yeah, yeah. It is. Um, 
All right, Mike. Well, it was it was nice talking to you. Is there anything else you wanted to um, talk about, or um, or is that it? No, I think you covered it, man. I, you know, I uh, would encourage you. You know, when you start poker, or you know, try to backlog it. If you've been to a lot of places, uh, go go get you a one dollar trip from every place that you play, or from the places that you had a good time or a good memory. Um, there's some really good uh, companies that specialize in frames for poker chips, uh, and it's just good memories. Like I said, I've got. 370. So I have, I have them all framed up in the house there and uh, each frame holds 99. So I've got four frames uh, around the house. And first of all, it's a great conversation starter for people that come in and see it. And, you know, cause it looks like art cause every chip's a little different, right? Some are, some $1 chips are white, some are blue, some have a, uh, a stag on them, some have a flower or whatever. Right. Um, so they're all kind of cool. Uh, but then I can also, even after 370, so, you know, over 20 years of playing this game, I can remember something about almost every one of those places. Not not all of them, but the vast majority. I can remember either the trip, if it was, uh, there, there used to be, I don't know if it still is, a uh, casino in California called Eagle Mountain. And it is literally up the mountain. I mean, I had, this was before cell phone service and all that kind of stuff. I had no service, no nothing. Uh, driving up this mountain, no one's around. I'm like, I'm going to get lost. I can't even find this place. And I finally found this little casino, Eagle Mountain, at the top of the, the mountain. And they had one poker. I think we played two, four limit poker, one poker table in the middle of their craps and blackjack. But I can remember something about almost every one of those chips. And uh, that's what the game should be about. While it definitely is about money because that's what we're playing for it's the memories you know the people you meet the people you met the, f- the fun stories maybe an interesting hand maybe a bad beat etc uh so i would encourage uh if you're a poker player at all you know, get you a chip and and keep it and, and keep those memories yeah where was eagle mountain what um I, I can't remember what city i i was coming back from I went up to Fresno. So it's when I lived in Vegas and I had a buddy in Fresno. So I went over to LA and then up to Fresno. So it was somewhere on the way back from Fresno, but I can't remember how close to the border. It was in California. Uh, I also went to the Golden West Casino around that same area. So it's somewhere in that vicinity, but I can't remember like the the name of the city, but the name of the mountain, I think it's called Eagle Mountain, whatever little little mountain that thing is. Yeah. I'm actually in SoCal. So mm. just curious, but um. Yeah, just out of uh, the last question, I guess would be, um, if you go play now, just out of curiosity, what what do you what do you play? What's your game? So, you know, uh, I always tell people always ask if I played No Limit Hold'em, and you know, to be pro, at least back then, you had to play No Limit Hold'em. I mean, ninety nine out of every hundredth game was was No Limit, so you had to know how to play that. In fact, back then there was only one. Uh, stud game, seven card stud game that was even worth it. It was a 2040 game at the Bellagio. You couldn't find a 510 or a 1020 uh, anywhere. And it only ran on like Thursdays, if I remember. But uh, I really love the other games. I told you, you know, my favorite game was a pot limit mix game where we'd play pot limit, seven card stud, hold them, Badoogie, Raz. Uh, so I love the other games. So when I go to the casinos now, the first thing I'm asking is, do they have anything 
besides no limit holdem like if they're playing a pot limit uh omaha or something like that man i i'm in because <laughs> i just don't get to play it enough so i i, I just enjoy that game uh th- there's a new casino uh new poker room in chicago called rivers that just opened up uh at night and on the weekends they'll be 60 70 80 deep on the wait list for the one two and two five no limit games uh, i went there during the day and got a seat right in the um two five uh plo game and just had an absolute blast man so i'm, I'm always looking for a PLO yellow game first uh stud which i haven't seen a stud game in years uh maybe a tournament depending on my schedule but nine, 90 times out of 100 i'm still i have to play hold them because that's the the only game in town for the majority uh, of the tables out there yeah have you ever played a five card plo by any chance dude i watched that game at a card room in uh texas um, and they, I don't know if you've ever played in Texas. There, there's some gamblers in Texas, man. You, you play a one-two Hold'em game in Texas at uh, uh, one of those card rooms, and you're really playing a, a two-five and, and really a five-ten. Uh, routinely, and this sounds so stereotypical of Texas, you know, everything's bigger in Texas. Playing one-two, uh, someone will open for thirty-five to forty dollars and get seven callers. I, I'm not exaggerating. It is cuckoo town in texas for gambling uh so i was waiting for a a one two game i think uh and i saw this five card what do they call it big o or something like that uh so i i went and i asked this lady i was like you mind if i just watch i've never seen this game and oh my god man there it's just the plo is crazy enough why in the world would you want to add another card to it man i i don't think i will ever play that game (laughs) yeah my my friend's a doctor he actually lives in wisconsin and um I told him about this on there's this online app called poker Two. I don't know if you've heard of it, but yeah. um, it's basically like a, it's kind of like club games Like you have to be like, you don't have to be asked to get in, but you have to find a club and then get in. And I was playing on there and I told my friend who's a doctor. And so he, he started playing five card PLO on there. <laughs> it was like one, two, one, three, but he'd buy in for like a thousand. And he ended up making like thirty to forty thousand dollars within wow. months, and then and then stopped. And I was like, "Why are you stopping, man?" He's like, he said it was just he um a lot of it had to do with like the taxes, I guess, and then also I don't know. He just he just was over it, I guess. But there's he was telling me there's definitely you know a lot of money to be made in that game. But I saw it, and no no one didn't knew what they were doing. Everybody was just gambling and playing crazy, you know. Yeah, I'm sure, especially when these new games come out, and that's why I liked the uh, the mixed game format because you know a lot of people uh, thought they were no limit hold'em experts, and maybe they were, maybe they were you know better than I was. Uh, but when we started playing seven card stud, I, I held the advantage there. When we played uh, Badoogie or triple draw, you know we were maybe even. So there there were places that I would have a, a bigger advantage of versus you know just playing hold them and maybe you know two three guys are better than me which you know that's that's not good for me so that's why i always liked uh the mixed game and, and i always prefer uh pot limit versus no limit again because of the nuances and uh the you know a better skilled player will win will, will better win and lower your variance by playing pot limit versus no limit yeah plo is definitely a crazy game and i've dabbled in it but i'm like i don't know if i can handle this you know yeah, it's very swingy the variance is higher for sure yeah all right, Mike. Well, it was very nice talking with you. Thanks for coming on. You're kind of technically my first guest on on this new podcast I'm starting. So 
I love it, man. I'm, I'm, I, uh, I'm a huge podcast fan and advocate. I host my own podcast. I teach a podcasting one-on-one class. And uh, in the track and field world, they called me the podfather of track podcast. So uh, I'm a huge advocate of it. I like being people's first guest. It helps you get the jitters out and helps you get on the on the way. And you're going to have uh, you know, a fantastic time doing this podcast. You're going to do uh, a lot of good things and have a lot of great guests on there. So I'm just glad I can help, uh, help kickstart it off for you. And you can go get, go get better guests than I am. <laughs> yeah, a lot, man. And what's your podcast name? We- uh, so, yeah, it's it, if you're in track and field, you might be interested in it. So, uh, it's the Gill Athletics Track and Field Connections podcast. We interview track coaches from around the country and really around the world, uh, learning about their journey, how they got to where they are today, and talking about uh, lessons that they've learned, mentors that have affected their lives, etc. So, it's kind of a, a long form biography type of podcast focused on track and field coaches. Cool, man. Do you have, is it video too or just audio? It is. We do put it on our YouTube channel. We don't really advertise it. We just put it on there since we have the content and kind of it just natively gets uh, uh, listens and stuff like, or views and stuff like that. Uh, but it's mainly podcast form. So we're on all the majors, of course, you know, Spotify, Apple, Google, et cetera. All right, cool, man. I'll check it out and, yeah. and I'll ask you for any questions if, uh, if I have any going forward. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Use me as a resource. You got my number. You need anything, you just let me know. All right. Thanks a lot, Mike. All right, brother. Have a good day. You too. See you. Bye.